Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Wee Scottish Book Club with your hosts, me, Scott, and of course, New Year's Eve is here and Natalie is celebrating. Hello, Natalie. Happy New Year. Jeez, what confetti everywhere, party poppers going. My party hat on. I'm greeting already. I've had a couple of Baileys and I'm ready to party. Gee, she'll be telling us she loves us all by the end of the podcast. And I just, I just, I just, I really, really love you. So this episode is very special for one big special reason. It is the debut, the first run out for the Bra Book Awards. The We Scottish Book Club Bra Book Awards are here. I know you've all been sitting wondering, when's it happening? When are you going to announce the winners? What's going on? Today's the day. Can't wait to give out those awards to all our winners tonight. And how lucky are they? Well, they are part of the inaugural awards. They will be forever remembered as the first. And the Hall of Fame. Exactly. All the authors have been talking about the bibabas all year. I think I put an extra B in there. It worked, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So a slightly different show this week. We're going to just get on with it, um, is our current motto while Natalie sips her Baileys. Um, First of all, though, what have you been up to? Well, this week I've spent loads of time with friends and family, just the same as last week. I've been absolutely mobbed. I went to see the other podcast royalty couple, Chris and Rosie Ramsey and their Shag Married Annoyed tour, at um, the Hydro in Glasgow. There was 10,000 people there, Scott. 10,000. That'll be us next year. Can't wait. I am buzzing. I booked the Hydro, by the way. They actually asked, could we do like one together? And I says, no, guys, no, no. Don't, they just don't try us and, down. Hi, don't try and come on our coattails here. We know you think you've got something going on, but you know that we've got something bigger. So no, but uh, it was brilliant. It was really funny. Um, it's uh, their, their podcast, if anybody listens to it, it's not about books. It's about something a lot dirtier than books, but it's kind of like me and Scott. They just talk absolute shit for ages um, and it's just absolutely brilliant that's what they did on stage um, then I had the cousins run for a family night we played games put the world to right do you know like a mental health night after the shit year we've had mm. just in case we got locked down again eh Scott just in case but here now. I am locked down because I'm waiting on my PCR test results back for tomorrow so We'll see how that goes. At least it'll be over it by Christmas and I'll be ready to party again at Christmas and think of all the books I'm going to get to read in the meantime if I'm doing it to isolate. I'm very jealous at the, the time you're going to have. The annoying thing is that I actually need to work from home. Oh, you know, that's yeah. that's the annoying thing. Um, but we'll see what happens. What, what's really cool about this is when this one comes out, so the shit show we've had today, it's... Tuesday the 14th of December, all the announcements have happened today. We're still waiting on more or whatever. When this comes out, 
Scott and Natalie and listeners of the future will know what happened at Christmas. And they'll know that we all had a brilliant time, no matter what the results were, uh, the restrictions were. It doesn't matter, because we all had a good time. So I hope you're all doing well. I hope you had a lovely Christmas. Um, and I hope you're ready for the new year. And what have you been up to, Scott? Well, it's been a quiet week again. Um, for me, I've not really been out and about. Um, it's, it's the run-up to my old birthday week now. Um, so I've, I've spent the weekend, as I always do, watching the Dundee Stars. We are on fire, by the way. I hear. That is two four-point weekends in a row. We've also beat Cardiff in the um, first leg of our Challenge Cup. Tomorrow night, as we record this, is the second leg. So by the time this comes out, I could be celebrating going to the semi-finals, which has oh. never happened for the Stars before. That'll be a good happy birthday for you, son. Couldn't wait. Um, what's, your, so yeah. what's your birthday plans? If you've got birthday plans? <clears throat> yeah, but, um, well, I take birthdays quite seriously. Um, like when it comes to Alison's birthday, I have these traditions that I go with. Like I've got birthday tombola, so I always buy her enough presents to last from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Love that. On the hour, every hour, she gets a tombola card out of a wee box and she gets a random present. So she could start with the best one. She could end with the best one. Doesn't matter. Normally we go to the zoo. We have all this kind of stuff. Traditions. I asked Alison what we're doing for my birthday. Oh, I've not really thought about it. What do you want to do? <laughs> so I made my own plans, um, which involve Alison and Eleanor getting up early and going away to meet Santa for breakfast because I don't do Christmas on my birthday. That's the way I was. Poker, like, why have you not yeah. got a tree up? Because it's my birthday. Mm. So no big guy in the red suit for me. So I'm going to have a lion. They come back. Um, and then we're going to go for a wee walk, hopefully, outside, have a nice time. Uh, and then we have to put Eleanor down for a wee nap. We've then decided at night we'll have a wee takeaway and a Star Wars movie and stuff as we go. And it'll be delightful, I'm sure. I'm um, sure it will be delightful. Yeah, in many ways. Um, but I think Alison likes giving gifts. This is the, <laughs> this is the thing. Um, so she's always buzzing about what she's got me and all this kind of stuff. Like this week it started. Oh, Scott, I think there's one thing you're really going to like. or oh, I, I, mm. And I never get to know what it is until the actual day. But she does this build up that's just over the top. Okay. Yeah, and that's I because just, she really wants to tell you. Yeah. But she's trying not to. The other day even she said, oh, just, I can't remember where I was, but I was, ice hockey. I was at the ice hockey and I, okay. Make sure when you come back in, you knock on the door because I'm just going to be wrapping presents and oh, and oh, come on, just cool your knickers. Come on. This is so, yeah, I'm going to see Spider-Man. We're having a date night the night before my birthday. We're going to see Spider-Man um, and we're going out for tea and stuff without without the kid. Um, so that'll be nice. Well, you're taking one way, you? you've no choice. No, oh, that one's stuck inside. <laughs> Try my best to get it out, but it doesn't work. <laughs> Up to my elbows, so I've been. <laughs> you alright? I don't know. It's like the West Side Story. 
Well, I hope you really enjoy Spider-Man for your birthday, my little eight-year-old friend. So, now that we've had a wee recap on our week, what have you been reading this week? Well, I mentioned last week that I was had just started Sunset Song for the read-along um, with some of our Scottish Book Club, Club crew. So I'm still working my way through that. I'm really, really enjoying it. It's really, really stunning in parts. I know that when you'd tried it and it didn't work out for you, you just read the prologue, but the rest of it is nothing like the prologue. It's still kind of written in that kind of classic way, but it's classic Scots. East Coast Scots, so it's Ooh. different for, like, do you know when we were talking about um, A Christmas Carol and how yeah. sometimes we were like, we don't know what's going on here because it's too classic Sunset Song doesn't feel like that. Once you get used to the way it's written, because it's written in a ye old Scots, once you get used to that, then you can actually get pretty much on board. But it's so quotable. It's actually so beautiful. Um, and I can't believe it's a man writing about a woman. You know, there's bits of labour and there's bits of, like, when um, I think she gets a period for the first time or, like, when she she is ready to, like, obviously do what girls do when, when they first meet the man, things like that. And it is written so well that you couldn't believe that a man had wrote it, especially a man of that time. I, I wouldn't actually think that a man of this time would even be able to write that, if you know what I mean. But a guy in the 1930s or whenever this was written, yeah, able to write that so, so well that a person of my era can relate to the girl that they're portraying. It's very really interesting. It's so amazing, isn't it? Could you imagine writing about a girl? Not a chance. Not realistically. No. Or without offending. No, exactly. And I don't think it's anything that a man should really do. I don't think a man should write a female character, like lead character about these issues. I don't think, I think that's wrong. But back then there wasn't a lot of female authors. So I think it's, it's a different era, but it, he's done it justice. He's done it really, really well. There's no a lot of um, stereotypes involved in it and stuff like that. Um, it can, it, it's a really Scottish book. It's really quintessentially Scottish. I, I don't know any other way to describe it. it. It's like our history. It shows us how harsh it would have been. I'm from, although mining village, as we know, I'm from... Farming stock is if I've done my family tree and it's farming stock I'm from about that time and stuff. So it's really, really interesting to see what life was like then and how harsh it was, especially for women. You know, women that wanted more but couldn't have more. It's something that we could never imagine because we are allowed to be who we want for the most part. Um, there is a part in it that I'm really not happy with and you would have seen it in the chat, um, the use of a certain word, a racial slur, in such a casual way, and I understand it's for, of its time, and that's the way it was written then, but it opened quite a hefty debate about whether it should be edited or not, out or not. I'm a firm believer that it should, but understand that authors, even if they've passed away, should be held accountable. But I think that people of colour that are Scottish, that live here, and it's their history as well, don't need to read a book about their history that's got a racial slur in it, which then segregates them totally for their own history. It's absolutely ridiculous, especially when this book is getting reprinted. Um, and it's something I need to I need to talk about because I'm sitting here talking about how it's a beautiful book and stuff like that. But there's some not very beautiful parts in it as well. And I can't ignore that. 
I think it was a really interesting debate to read, especially because I know nothing of the book mm-hmm. um, other than the first six pages that took me almost an hour and a half to get through. <laughs> um, and, and I think reading what all of you folk thought of that particular part um, was actually really interesting. And I think that's one of the reasons that our group is as interesting and fun and engaging as as it is, because we can come with these issues or these things that we don't agree with, and we can have these debates and discussions around an issue like this racial slur, and it not turn nasty or malicious or anything like that, but we were having, or I was watching, you were having um, these debates and discussions very um, constructively and in a very mature way, and it opened so many discussion points like mm-hmm. as you've touched on um authors that are no longer with us who is actually in charge of what happens to their work um should we be editing work or should we be keeping it as it was written so that we can hold these authors accountable for what it is there was the whole oh, it was a different time debate came in um to it as well which isn't um as strong a debate as I think some people like it would like it to be yeah um and but at the end of the day that word that was so triggering for some people um has led to this huge discussion the same way we spoke um with Colin a couple of weeks ago how he had this shock value a purposeful shock value from from Colin where he'd written a few of his characters to be utterly sexist um and that really stuck with us when we read it um or at least with you and then when I reread it I noticed it a lot more (laughs) um and um I think this word in particular has done the same thing it's made us discuss it and it's made people more aware or people that wouldn't have thought much about it it's it's forced them to stop think and discuss which is exactly how our society should be and it was actually a really really nice thing to see so then that led me on to picking up Blood and Gold um, by Mara Menzies. I've really struggled, Scott. I've been reading um, a Scots Queer, so Sunset Song's the first one. I've been reading it and I'm really enjoying it and stuff. But the way the world is, it's not, nothing's making me want to pick it up. I'm just, I think I'm just done. Sunset Song's like a different world and stuff. So I've already, I had already picked that up before we got into this whole COVID fucking world again. Whereas now I'm at that point where I'm like, oh, what will I read? What? No, I can't be bothered. No, I'm just going to sit here and just sit on my phone and read the news. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I just thought, no, after that discussion, I'm going to read something that I've been looking for for ages as per our last chat when we were talking about Lamplighter. I've been looking for something from a black Scottish author. So I picked it up and I am immersed into it. It is the best book I could have picked up. It's, it's lovely stories that whisk you away. This is the thing. I think... <clears throat> we've been lucky enough to hear Mara read or, or tell her stories, um, but it's absolutely something else, the book. There are, I couldn't help but read it in her voice when I was hearing it. I, I'm doing I, it, yeah. I read it in this sort of slow, um, really Silky. enunciated. Yeah, Silky. it's smooth. Um, 
and I'm reading it with Mara's voice in my mind, or I, I read it with Mara's voice in my mind. And I think that just added to the story. So I think if you have got a copy of the book and you are wanting to read it, I'd watch a little bit of Mara first. There's plenty out there yeah. um, because she is a fabulous storyteller. And that comes across from our Edinburgh show that this uh, Blood and Gold was all created around or, yep. or performed around. It is transferred so well into a book and there's an ongoing narrative but at the same time, I read it as short stories. Yeah, that's kind of what it is, yeah. Took a break, went back, took a break, went back, and it's so good for that kind of thing, to read alongside other things and just go on a little journey and go on something that, as a white man from Dundee, um, I'm, I don't know about. Yeah, as, as there's much a lot of I stories in should. there that are not of our, like, Scottish culture, there's Scottish culture and then there's African culture um, and it's that that I'm immersing myself in because it is, it's like history even though it's written in these wee stories about um, these people, this, this family, it's, it's lovely. There are myths, there are legends, yeah, there exactly. are old stories, there are new stories, there's some that Mara's made up, there's some that are inspired by these old stories and they just all bang together to create, like you say, this really smooth and sleek reading opportunity um yeah. while teaching but also while going along for an absolutely thrilling ride with our main character um that we do in that book I, th I think it was tremendous one of the lovely things and i spoke about this when i picked up lamplighter was jackie k's introduction to the lamplighter mara's introduction to to blood and gold is the exact same they are trying to do the exact same thing that i fell in love with jackie k for you know Mara straight away talks about, you know, Scotland pretends that the slave trade didn't exist, but, you know, in Jamaica, all the people, um, all the surnames, there's loads of Scottish surnames in Jamaica because of slave trade, you know, how the, how do you think that Scotland made their money and all that, and we pretend that we didn't have this problem, and I just think what they're doing, their stories are amazing anyway, but even that introduction, what they are doing, and, you know, these forgotten people of long ago, what they are bringing, their ancestors, they're bringing them to the table again and saying, don't forget. And it is so, so, so important. And I think Mara Menzies, I might be a bit of a fangirl now. I'm with you. What have you been reading? Well, I'm on my final read um, of 2021. I am, uh, when I say read, I don't mean like, it won't be my last book. I was confused. I, yes. I'm talking about my last book for my book club, um, Read. Really engaging and diverse. Um, and we are reading uh, Frederick Backman's Anxious People. Now, I don't think I have read a book for a long time where the first sentence has made me go, I'm in. Um, I don't, I, have you read this? No, I have not read this, but oh, Frederick no. Backman is one of my favourite authors. I'm going to hit you a spoiler then. I'm going to Come hit on. you with line Come number on. one. Hit me with the Backmans. So here we go. A bank robbery. A hostage drama. A stairwell full of police officers on their way to storm an apartment. It was easy to get to this point. Much easier than you might think. All it took was one really single bad idea. Hmm, how interesting. And then it's just piecing together this story of how one man's mistake, misfortune, 
involves all of these different characters, brings them all together, sews it all into this narrative that just expands and expands and expands. Uh, we meet new characters along the way, and it is utterly ridiculous, some of these characters, how they come about, what they're thinking, what they're doing. These are over-the-top caricatures of people. Um, and for a translated work as well, this is coming across as exactly the kind of humour I love. Um, Batman is so simply written, but yet so effective. I said that with a man called Ovi a few weeks ago. Absolutely beautiful. And I know that doesn't matter what one but Batman I lift, I'm probably going to love it. Um, this sounds like a more, more like a man called Ovi than in Beartown, because Beartown's a bit more serious. Still amazing, but it's a bit more serious. Um, but this, I think, is the perfect... I know we had Thursday Murder Club as well, but leading on for that, all the depressing books we've read this year, Scott, you've picked two absolute brilliant books for us to end on, and you're forcing people to read nice books for a change. This is the thing. Um, I, I didn't know what this book was going into it. It was picked for me by others. Um, it was just one you're of welcome. those ones that were, oh, did you suggest this one, did you? Um, and it's just one of those books that I've gone into totally blind and an author that I didn't know as much as I've got a couple of books sitting on my shelf. I've not read yet, um, but now I know what two of my priorities for next year are. Yeah, um, ready where because you actually do a podcast with me and I would batter you if you didn't read them. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but this guy could be my author of 2022. If I'm looking at all the books that are there, there's a few books on his list. of. Um, there's one about things my son needs to know about the world. Yeah. And I'm about to have a son. Uh, so I think that's a good a good timing for, for that maybe to be read and things. That's I a just, good point, yeah. I just think that these are very interesting uh, and very different books. You, you've told us about a man called Ovi. We've got Bear Town, which I know is a little bit darker, a little bit more serious than, than some of the other works. We've got these, like a non-fiction in the one about the sun. Got Anxious People, which is just a farcical comedy but tied into all these really serious topics that we could discuss. Um, so I'm really, really interested to see how the group react to it um, and also how I feel by the end of it. Because I'm about halfway just now and I'm loving it and it's got five-star book written all over it. Mm -hmm. um, but as we discussed a couple of weeks ago in our mailbag, how this book ends can all change that. So it needs to keep me going all the way through. But it's, it's an absolutely tremendous start. So this week we're doing something a bit different, as we've said, and we're skipping right over Scottish Book of the Week. We're skipping right over Name That Book this week. And it is all about our books of the year. As it is Hugmanay, and Scott and I are sitting here, Scott's in his kilt and I'm in my wee dress. We've got a wee dram and we are ready to party. So Scott, before we get into our b -b -bas, um, and the Broad Book Awards, New Year's traditions. How would you usually spend New Year's Eve? Hogmanay, to be precise, actually, for Scottish, that wouldn't be usually with me. Right. This is becoming a bit of a theme. We had our Halloween special, and I went, nah, no, no for me. We've had our Christmas special, and I've gone, ah, I do it for my kid. <laughs> and now we're getting to Hugmanay and I'm like midnight seriously 
Bloody hell. I've got one and a half wins. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Hugmany, I, I, I say, oh, I'd like to go. I never do. I always stay up. I always have a drink and all this kind of stuff. And and actually this year, it's quite nice because um, we're going up to Peterhead and we're spending a second Christmas up there. Um, and all the family will be around. So it'll be really nice, actually. Um, so as for traditions go, we don't really have any other than my mother-in-law normally gives me my one and only hug of the year. Oh, are they not huggers? No, not at all. Oh, it's, they wouldn't like me, would they? It's so strange. Um, I mean, obviously, no one's hugging uh, over the last couple of years. We've all kind of mm. got rid of that. But I, I've always found that weird. They don't tell each other they love them. Like, they don't do I any mean, of that. No. It's not oh, that they because totally. they're a very loving family, aren't they? Oh, very much so. It's it's just they're not a particularly showy, affectionate mm-hmm. family. Um, which is so weird when it comes. Alison, my wife, is very affectionate. She's always wants the affection, she always wants to give the affection. Um, but to come from a house like that is so bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get my one and only hug from my mother-in-law, and normally me and my father-in-law make physical contact through a handshake. Very oh, masculine. I wonder what you were going to say there. Oh. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that, that's kind of, if I was talking traditions, that is kind of as far as it'll go um, for traditions for us. It's just another day, really. To be fair, when you're Scottish, the only time that you actually you get a hug, if it's hug money, that is a big deal. On New Year's, when, when the bells go, that is a big deal. Whoever hugs you then is telling you, mate, doesn't matter, I love you. That's yeah. that's the whole thing. Well, we're in it then, we're in it now, we'll be in it forever. Exactly. Um, and that's what I like. What about you? Do you have any traditions, anything you do every year? How do you so, feel about Hugmany even? I have very strong feelings of Hugmany because I am I'm Natalie and I'm very, very Scottish, as you know. Um, but for me, it's a time for a family, kind of what you're talking about. It's a time for family. Um, it's not a time for me. I don't go out partying with my pals or anything like that. That's just no for me. Um, I'm traditionally Scottish, the way we think of it. You know, you look at the year gone by and it's a time of forgiveness and it's a new beginning. So, like, when I was growing up, my mom and dad would split up here. We've got a small violin out for us all, guys. Woo-hoo. I'm playing it firmly. So, me and my mum, I was a shit teenager. Um, my mum was going through some stuff. So, as a single woman, I was just being a wee asshole. But... We would always, at Hugmany, that was always a time of, right, we forgive each other, love you, hugs, move on, and we'd have a wee cry. And every year, I'm not embarrassed to say, in Hugmany, I have a wee cry for whatever's happened that year. And it's like, as soon as the bells go, it's like, fresh, you're happy again. It's as if the year didn't happen. I don't know what it is, but honestly, it does feel like that. I don't know if you feel the same. It's weird. Do Do you feel like you've got a wee weight? Taken off. Do you feel Aye. like you just take that, whoa, put Aye. it to one side? Aye. That's it's so like, bizarre. I think that is a thing, a, tradi- a Scottish tradition, where whatever's in the past, in the past, the future, let's look forward. Um, so I've always spent it with my family. Um, it used to be I'd spend it with my gran and papa when I was when we all lived in the same village, the wee mining village. We'd spend it with my gran and papas. All the family would get together, you know. My, my gran's mum died when she was 93, so even she would be over, you know. It was a big, big family, and she'd eight children, so then all their children, and all their children. It'd be massive in this weekend to house in Um, 
and I always remember like first footing. So I remember people coming to the door, like my grand's cousins and stuff. We had lump of coal and a dram and we'd pass a bottle of whiskey around. The lump of coal would get them the mantelpiece because that means new beginnings and stuff as well. That's mine and village coal, probably. Something yeah. to do with that. Never thought about Probably. it until, until then. Um, but some of my fond, fondest memories of our Hogmanay um, and New Day, that's honestly... And it was never about New Year's Day for us, I think. I think it was always Hogmanay because Hogmanay is what the Sco- uh, Scottish, isn't it? That's yeah. the part that's most of Scottish. And New Day, you, you're usually over. Um, <laughs> but no, because I'm all about family and we live up here, it's just me and Amy. So it's not like I go out in Glasgow with my friends and stuff. And some of my friends are like my family, but it's just actual family. So me and Amy just sit in the house. um, We sit and we have a few drinks together. We play music and stuff. And I'll always remember not on Hogmanay or maybe Hogmanay Day during the day. I would always watch um, the programme The Steamy. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to see the play a few times. Oh, I fucking love it. So every year me and my gran would watch the steamy together before all the Hugmanay party and stuff. So now me and Amy, that's what we do in the run up to the bells. We sit, I've got the DVD and we sit and watch the steamy, which you get Dorothy Paul and stuff in it. Um, which is basically, for those that you don't know, it's a local Glasgow wash house in the 1950s. It was filmed in the 1980s. Um, and it's all about trad- Scottish traditions, isn't it? And like Scottish women and being a woman in the 1950s and how you were treated and stuff. Um, and Mrs. Cofeathers. If you've seen the play, you know who Mrs. Cofeathers is. Is it the mince or is it the tarties? <laughs> um, so that's yeah. what me and Amy do every year. Even like um, a friend, Gail, or bridesmaid, she comes around now. Um, but again, we don't go out and celebrate and stuff. We say, right, if you want to come, you can come to us. But it's just a family day, so you just need to chill. Like we just chill and, you know, be thankful for what we've got and stuff. Um, so when she comes around, we even force her to watch it and she's like, She's a truther, so she's like, I'm not watching this. But she's forced to. Um, so that's pretty much it. We don't really... Although, like, Hogmanay is a Scottish thing, I think there's loads of different ways to celebrate it. I think traditional Scots people, it isn't all about going to Edinburgh and Glasgow in the middle of the streets and partying and stuff. I think that's, that's, that's more Americanised than our actual traditional Scots... New, New Year's Eve, and it's, it's, it is, it's all about just, you know, celebrating who you've lost, celebrating for you this year, it'll be who, you've, who you're going to gain in the new year, it's a big, big, big year for you, and especially a big year for, for we Ellen, she's going to be a big sister, you know, I've lost people this year, you know, it's all about just remembering who you've lost, and taking them into the new year, and starting to get excited for what's to come, because Guys, we've had a shit few years. This is it's the change. It's got to be the change in 2021. Two. 2022. See, it's been that shit. I don't even remember 2021. Who knows where we are? That's all the Baileys. <laughs> well, it is now the moment we've all been waiting for. The Scottish book industry are on freeze. They're waiting with bated breath for the inaugural Baba. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? What's it going to be, Sam? What's it going to be? So the We Scottish Book Club Braw Book Awards are finally here. And we are kicking off with a category that I am very interested in. This category is the life-changing book of the year. 
So this is an award for a book that has taken the reader on a journey, taken the reader somewhere where things are changing, a mindset change, a lifestyle change, or even just a perception change. And this book that we are about to announce as our first ever winner of this award has done exactly that for both of us for completely different reasons. And I am very excited to announce that our first winner is Blade in the Shadow by Gillian Halkett. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Blade in the Shadow is a coming-of-age memoir about harm OCD. Getting diagnosed late in life, the memoir follows Halkett from her early teens to early 20s and into recovery. It's a new look at living with illness as part of normality. Now, for me, when I read, I read this book after you had, so you'd spoken a little bit about it to us on the podcast, and I was interested. And the reason I was interested is because it deals with mental health, Mm -hmm. um, which is something that I am quite into, and I I do like knowing about, and I like to gain information. Um, And the reason that this book has, for me, been a life changer is because it's changed the way I perceive OCD. So OCD for me prior to reading this book was someone who needs to wash their hands all the time or three times I flick the light switch before I go to bed or something bad will happen. Um, Or I need my house to be spotless. And I'm so OCD because I pack everything in a particular way. And only through reading this book have I realized how harmful those stereotypes can be for some people with OCD. Um, So this is absolutely open, honest, frank. Everything that Gillian has written about in this book is so uber realistic. Um, And she writes in a way that we as the reader are transported into her mind. And at points, that is not a great place to be. Um, And I just think that the change in my mind from entering the book to leaving the book, which is only like a hundred and something pages, it's such a short read, but such a powerful, powerful read and so deserving to be recognized as one of our award winners tonight. It really, really packs a punch. Yeah, there's no there's no barriers. She's not held anything back. And you said there, Scott, that it was 100 pages or whatever it is. That's because there's no waffling. She's not tried to fill it out. She's not tried to make it artifact airy-fairy, is what Mama would say. None of that. Gillian has told you exactly what you need to know and the exact amount of words that you need to know about her life and even facts about OCD, general facts. There's everything in there, but in an accessible way. This book is classed as our life-changing book of the year, the most important book of the year, whatever, because this is the bravest book I have ever read in my whole, whole life. And we've said this, you've said that. Um, She's living some of the hardest moments of her life, you know, and it must have been triggering for her to write it, to reread it every time she does a reading, every time she does an interview. She's asked personal questions about herself. And Gillian is one of the nicest, nicest people in the world. And she says, yeah, I'm here to tell you, I'm here. 
to help you. I'm here to help you if you be like you, Scott, somebody who doesn't suffer from OCD, some, but somebody who needs to understand. Or if you are somebody who's never been diagnosed with OCD, you know there's something not wrong. There's something that you can't pinpoint in your brain. There's something like you actually feel like when, when I was first diagnosed, I remember crying, saying to my dad and my stepmom, there is something wrong with me. I am a terrible person sitting there and I'm tell, saying I'm a terrible, terrible, terrible person. And them saying, no, we need to take you to the doctors. There's something that is going on in your brain. You're not a terrible person. I can tell you right now. This book does exactly that. That book, this book does that if, if, as long as we can get it into the right, right hands. And here's one of the things that, again, was really powerful about the book. And again, life-changing was the fact that if you were to ask me, are there different variants are there different types of ocd nah mm -hmm. yes there are yeah um there's loads mm -hmm. and and that's one of the things i didn't know going into this book i like i said thought ocd was all about cleanliness and hygiene and it is for some people and for others it's gory and horrible and i i do not know how someone like jillian has managed to get to where she is and managed to write this yeah. all down in a book. And like you say, revisit it all the time when we're talking about Blade in the Shadow. It is just a tremendous work um, and an absolutely important read for all, not just people who have OCD or know people with OCD, but all. So on behalf of me and Scott, Scottish Book Club, Scottish Book World, The Book World. Gillian Halkett, thank you very much for writing this. You're an absolute star and you deserve all the awards. And I can't wait to see where your career takes you because we are very, very proud of you and you deserve it. Ba -ba -ba -ba. Next up in our ba -ba -ba -bas, the broadest book for illustration of the year goes to Blood and Gold, written by Mara Menzies and illustrated by Eddie Griffin. Now, we've obviously already spoken about this book a wee bit there earlier, Scott, but what we didn't mention is that every single illustration in this book paints the picture and gives so much to the story to the point that I'm only quarter of the way through it. I flicked through all the illustrations, obviously, when we were judging this, but I am staring at these illustrations and just sitting for ages soaking them in because it paints the picture. Well, we've already kind of touched on how powerful Mara Menzies is as a storyteller. And I think the thing that we can take away from the other part of this book that is equally important is the fact that the illustrator in this book has really managed to get across what Mara is saying in one picture. They're all in this sort of ink blotty style. Um, and they all look rather wet, I think, is the, the sort of way they look yeah. like they're, I suppose they look like they're moving. They look like, like they're moving. Like shadows, pictures. it's like the shadow man. Yeah, and, and, and there are, one of the themes throughout the book is the shadow man, this fear that constantly follows us around. And there is a picture in the book where it paints the shadow man chasing, I think it's a group of children. And it, it it's terrifying, but at the same time, an absolutely beautiful picture. The cover itself 
is worthy of this award. Yeah. Um, but then you flick open the book and every story has a couple of pictures within it. And I think that it is utterly tremendous. It's a style that I've not seen before um, in books. And I think that when you put the prose and the art together, it makes for an unbelievable book that you will not forget in a hurry. Yeah. And Mara is a performer. So she performs this on stage usually. So how important is it to transfer a book from stage to book form to get the visuals still spot on? Well, this is the thing. It's a complete piece of artistic work. We're looking at all of all areas of expressive arts now. We're looking at writing. We're looking at storytelling. We're looking at imagination. We're looking through into illustration and design and all of this stuff. It is a book that has it all. And I think that um, everyone involved in whatever aspect, whether you were part of the theatre show um, or whether you're part of the writing, whether you're part of the illustrations, the putting this book together, you should be so proud of yourselves because I think you've done an absolutely tremendous job and so deserving of being named our illustration of the year, our, our, our first ever illustrations of the year book recipient. The most beautiful book on our shelves. Our next award, our third award of the day, um, is the Read Book Club um, pick of the year. So every month the Read Book Club get together and we put together a short list of books based on a theme. Um, and then we read our book that is the most popular out of those books. And we, at the end of our discussion every month, I ask for everyone to do the really awkward task of rating a book out of 10. Um, I then get those scores together. I make the average and I put them together in my big old table that I then have a look at throughout the year. Now, <clears throat> this year, early on, we read the winning book um, and nothing has been able to shift it from the top spot. Uh, and this is why I'm so anxious around anxious people because I think it could have been a contender um, for that top spot but unfortunately it'll have to wait till next year um, because the winning book from the Read Book Club so our Read Book of the Year is Homegoing by Ya Gyasi so this was the most popular book by a good distance um, in our poll uh, throughout the year, our annual poll. And I think it is absolutely tremendous. I'll read you the blurb, just for those that have not never heard of it. Two half-sisters, Effia and Essie, are born into different villages in 18th century Ghana. Effia is married off to an Englishman and lives in comfort in the palatial rooms of Cape Coast Castle. Unbeknownst to Effia, her sister Essie is imprisoned beneath her in the castle's dungeons, sold with thousands of others into the Gold Coast booming slave trade and shipped off to America where her children and grandchildren will be raised in slavery. One thread of homegoing follows Effia's descendants through centuries of warfare in Ghana as the Fante and Asante nations wrestle with the slave trade and British colonisation. 
The other thread follows Essie and her children into America. From the plantations of the South to the Civil War and the Great Migration, from the coal mines of Pratt City, Alabama, to the jazz clubs and dope houses of the 20th century Harlem, right up through the present day, homegoing makes history visceral and captures with singular and stunning immediacy how the memory of captivity came to be inscribed in the soul of a nation. Now, Scott, we've spoken about this previously and I've never read that blurb. I'll, I am devastated that I missed this one and read it. It was just before I joined Reed. Um, and it's the one everybody always talks about. And I'm like, aye, but I really like this one, guys. And they're like, yep, but it wasn't as good as Homegoing. Um, and I think you've seen me the whole time I was reading that blurb. I don't read blurbs. Read that blurb there and I'm shaking my head. Disgusted, but also really it's right up my street. This is the thing. That blurb, <clears throat> as much as it's quite long and it's wordy, uh, it doesn't sell the book as well as I think once you get into it. Oh, really? um, and I think you get the gist of it from that blurb. You get the idea that this is not going to be an easy read. This isn't sit on your summer holidays beside the pool um, and have a read. This is one where you need to give yourself to the book. Um, and you get so much back from it that it's it's eye-opening. Um, it's historically accurate. There are characters that you fall in love with. It's, again, kind of like Blood and Gold told through a series of short stories but they all link and they come full circle and they link back. Um, and I think the, the way that Yagyase has written this book is, again, just so raw and visceral and informative that as a reader, you can't help but get lost in everything, both subject matter, where we're dealing with race and we're dealing with slavery and we're dealing with all these horrific things that these people um, have had to go through in the book to get to where the next generation comes, the next person comes, and we are, are lost in it. I will give the same piece of advice now as I gave to the Reed crew when I first read it. The start of the book has a family tree. Familiarise yourself with it and keep it in your head. Keep flicking back to it because you'll get lost. Um, but it's really important, you know, which side you're on and who's related to who, because it does all kind of, it, well, not kind of, it does tie together. Um, and the way that this story culminates is like nothing I've read before. So a very worthy winner of our first year of Read. Happy birthday, Read. Well done, us. Ba -ba -ba -ba! Next up for the Broad Book Awards, it is our Book Club Member of the Year Award. Now, this is combining our Read Book Club and our Scottish Book Club to bring you the best of our members. Now, this award is for those that give us 110% each and every time. Not only do they help us and make our job easier, and they're just genuinely a really, really good pal, but that of other members, they make them feel welcome and included in each and every turn. And don't know about you, Scott, but this member that we are bringing has supported us, supported everybody. And I think every single person would be in 110% agreement with us, except for you, because you're raging, you never won, but you can't win your own award. Well, this is the thing. Um, if I am not to win it, this person has to win it. Yeah. Now, this is, I would like to say, Queen of Bookstagram. 
but that is me. Um, but Princess of Bookstagram, maybe. And that is Carrie from Carrie's Reads Books. Now, the reason I we have put Carrie forward for this award is because of the tremendous work she does across Bookstagram and supporting our Scottish authors and other authors and just genuinely being a good friend. You know, we've been through COVID, um, each and every one of us, we've had hard times and stuff, and Carrie is the first to stop whatever she's doing and make sure everybody's all right and to make sure everybody's on the right track and to just genuinely be a good friend. She's always up for everything. Every single book event that we hold, Carrie is there. Um, and I know not everybody can make every single one, but I think she just goes over, over and above for a lover books and a lover book pals. I can't disagree with anything you've said. Um, I think <clears throat> Carrie was one of the first people in the, the Scottish book club that I got to know quite well. Um, and that's because... She... And she's not even in your group? No, no, not in the Scottish book club group, no. Um, in our Instagram chats, she's nowhere near there. Um, but she was one of the first people to join Read when I took it up. Um, and I think that was a supportive step. Yeah. Um, and since then, she's become like a right-hand woman on... On the read side of things, she's always there, always chatting, always um, participating in everything that we do. And I think it's the exact same for your um, Scottish Book Club as well. Carrie is like the world's biggest cheerleader. Um, she's little in stature, but she's huge in personality. Um, and she brings kindness and she brings positivity um she welcomes other people i think about the read book club which started off with no um scottish book club members and has now kind of grown into a, a mini scottish book club but before then carrie was bringing in everyone that was part of that club and making them feel as welcome as everyone is made to feel in the scottish book club um so we've got members from all over the uk and I don't think anyone in the Read Book Club could look and say, no, Carrie's not been welcoming or Carrie's not no. been, because that would be a lie. Um, Carrie brings everyone in, thinks about them, wants to give them an opportunity to speak, to discuss. She'll bring points into a discussion that we don't think of. She is always up for helping us out. And I think as far as someone who is a member of a book club goes, Carrie is the perfect person to have involved in all of them yeah and she's even went as far with our book clubs to invite us not all of us because we've got a lot of members but to invite a lot a lot of us to her wedding that is how dedicated she is to being pals with everybody and to making everybody feel welcome the fact that she even invited us all into her family we love you very proud ba -ba -ba -ba! Now we are getting to the very serious end of proceedings in our inaugural ba -ba -ba awards. So the Bra Book Awards, we are now hitting debut of the year. Now, we have read some damn good debuts this year. I have had the best reading year of my whole life, especially when it comes to Scottish books. This category speaks for itself. We don't really need to explain it. But just in case, 
debut first novel. So this is the award for the book that was a debut for the author and we think is just bloody brilliant. So, without further ado, our ba-ba-ba for debut of the year goes to Robbie Morrison and his crime, Glasgow grimy crime, Edge of the Grave. I don't know if he's ever expected anything else, but we were never going to give you anything else but Edge of the Grave by Robbie Morrison. I don't know if we could speak about it enough. This is a book that I know you've heard us rave about already. This is a book that we have spoken about in Crime Time, um, our podcast, politics. Uh, a few weeks back. We spoke about it in the politics episode. It is one of those books that covers so many different areas. But at the same time, strip that all away. It is a bloody good crime book. Yeah, yeah. It is one of my favourite crime books. I mean, I've not read a lot of crime books, but as soon as I read this, I was absolutely enthralled by it. Um, mostly because, unlike other crime books, it tells us a story of our history, our history of Glasgow in a way that is so clear. You know, it takes us back to... Glasgow, 1932. 1932. Um, and it tells us about our history of crime, our gang violence, our history of gangs. That's what Glasgow is all about. If you think of anybody that's no free Glasgow, that if you say, oh, Glasgow, they think of the crime, they think of, you know, it was crime capital of the world, you know, with these gangs and stuff, and you've got the old firm and stuff. That's what Glasgow has been made up of. And I, that's terrible, but it is, it's the true, it's no painting a, a lovely picture of Glasgow. That's what it was all about. And even that, I mean, it tells us the story of the history of police, policing in Britain, not just Glasgow, Britain. It tells us things that I would never have looked up myself. I would never have ever looked into, oh, how was the police invented? How, how did this happen? How did they tackle that? That is no something that I would ever have Googled in my Google black hole days until I read Edge of the Grave. Um, and can you believe this is somebody's first book? I know I've said it before, but it does not read like a first book. I can't actually believe it. It is so well pieced together. And I think that's one of the big things that go for it. The initial chapter sets the scene. So it's very, I think, peaky blinder vibes where we get all of these gangs. We're introduced to them very quickly through that first chapter and we kind of take a tour around the Clyde side and we get all of these introductions and the scene is set. Afterwards, it is just this non-stop chugging train of story. But this story that is, like you say, just full of information. I think this is one of the things that Robbie Morrison does really well with this book is we've got the, the plot and it is so... I'm going to say a phrase that makes it sound bad, but it's not. Padded out <coughs> with information. You are feeling like a police officer. You're getting all this stuff coming at you and you have to decide what's going to stick. What's the important stuff? What's the stuff that's good to know? But what's the stuff that you need to know in order for the investigation to be solved? But it's all exciting information. Well, None yeah. of it is not. It, it doesn't, like we're saying, it, it, this like it reads like a non-fiction book. It doesn't. 
it is it's a crime novel it's it's up there with a Rankin or a Val McDermott or uh those kind of books it, it is in there in that category of classic Scottish crime now um and the fact that Robbie Morrison has already been greenlighted for a second book next year shows how much faith a publisher had in Edge of the Grave. Bloody Scotland announced it as the winner of one of their main category awards. Now, the We Scottish Book Club have decided that it's one of our big award winners this year as well in debut of the year. So you can expect a third and fourth book, really. I mean, to me, it is the future of crime books. This is what this is. It is going to break those barriers of those. I know it's still got stereotypical things in there, but it actually doesn't that much. You know, there's the main two characters are something that I've not read and when I went doing that crime black hole, I haven't read two main characters like these. They are so, so different. And, you know, they're different for Louise Welsh's cutting room as well because, you know, Rilke was a gay character that wasn't a detective. These are two detectives. This is a police procedural, but it's different for every other police procedural and these two people that I've read. You know, some of them try to be funny. They're not funny. This is funny. Some of them try to be excited. They're not exciting. They're not gripping. This is exciting and gripping. These are two characters that I can get involved with. And in, as well as them, every single person that we came across seemed to go a bit deeper and a bit better than all the other crime books that I've, I've, I've ever read. Even the villains, I was made, I would love a book about every single year of the villains, a standalone book about every villain. And that is something that's so good that you can write in 400 pages. You can write about so many characters and make you fall in love with each and every one of them for a different way. Ba -ba -ba -ba. Next. Up in the ba 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 Broad Book Awards is probably my favourite category. Oh, look what it is. It's Scots Language Book of the Year Award. Of course, I would be seeing this one. And I am very, very, very excited and very, very, very proud to announce this year's winner. Um, and what a winner it is, because this is someone that has supported us through the podcast journey through a book club journey through everything um and it is just i don't know we rave about it how many podcast how many episodes we've done 14 or 15 we rave about it 15 episodes it's going to be a winner and that is duck feet by eli percy which we realized that we have never ever ever read out the blurb or told you what this is about so scott take it away Duck Feet is a coming-of-age novel set in the mid-noughties in Renfrew and Paisley, Scotland. It follows the lives of 12-year-old Kirsty Campbell and her friends as they navigate life from first to sixth year at Renfrew Grammar School. This book is a celebration of youth in an ever-changing world. It uses humour to tackle hard-hitting subjects such as drugs, bullying, sexuality and teenage pregnancy. But moreover, it is a relatable and accessible portrait of figuring out who you are, plunging into the currents of life, and most of all, finding hope. Now, I think straight away that is a great, great point. Now, this is a book that is accessible. This is ex and, and nostalgic. So this is for our generation and future generations and the generations before us. It's for everybody. It screams Scottish life. It screams Scottish youth. No matter what generation you're from, this book screams it. The dialect is in West Coast Scots, and in every single story, there is something that is relatable to everybody. 
even your side of the world uh, in Scotland, Scott, even your side of the world, there is something that is just quintessentially Scottish about this book in every single way. And I think, again, if we rip apart this blurb and we're looking at another part, humour is a huge part. So, And I think that comes through in the Scots language. Yeah. Um, so the way that Eli tells this story of Kirsty through their use of West Coast Scots is incredible. And I think they have managed to capture, like you say, the lives of people on the West Coast, people in the East Coast, people in the North, people in the South. I have seen people now that now that Duckfeet has become big, we've got mm-hmm. English people reading it, Welsh people reading it, Irish, we're going across... It is so transferable. It's, it's somewhere that you could just plonk the book down and someone will read that book and be able to go, I did that when I was a teenager. Or I know friends who are like that. Or I've got a Kirsty in my life. And I think that's an absolute magic part um, of the story that Eli has managed to create. And it has come through that Scots language. It's so well written. And it makes such fluid sense when you're reading it as as an east coaster reading a west coast dialect sometimes it's tricky but with duck feet i was immediately in and i immediately understood what was going on i immediately understood the dialect and it's one of those that if you're not a scotch reader it's one that you could put quite early in your journey now here's the thing about duck feet it's so so scottish for me and the reason that i love it so much um, and there's something i've learned through trying to read other scots books is it is not pantomime scots if that makes sense it is the way we speak now it's not they've not just grabbed eli has not just grabbed the scots dictionary and took oh what's the word for the scotch word for that oh blah blah blah, blah. words that we don't use in everyday life eli has written this as if they are 12 year old Kirsty campbell to start with i think Kirsty starts Eli has written this as if they are 12-year-old Kirsty Campbell and the way that we would have spoke when we were growing up and the things that we went through. There's no pantomime trying to make it too Scottish just for the sake of being Scottish. No, this is authentic, authentic Scots to our time. And I think that's what makes it so beautiful. Scots language is an alive language, but only if it's understandable, only if you can relate to it. And this book is relatable in every, every single way. And the thing that you talk about humour there, Scott, Scottish people are humorous. We are funny. No matter what we are going through, we will make fun of it. You know, even the new with COVID, we are sitting in group chats making fun of ourselves, right? Because that is just what we do. Um, and Eli has captured that so, so well in this book. And, you know, the way that Kirsty's very innocent sometimes and doesn't realise what she's talking about and stuff. Um, going to Big VL, there's a lot of, like, kind of bullying a wee bit as well and they're making fun of it and stuff. It's just so, so funny. And then to transfer this into Eli chatting about it, actually seeing it in real life, it is just phenomenal. That is the point where this book really came alive for me, is when we got to speak to Eli themselves. Um, And they came on to our Scottish Book Club chat and were the first author to actually give us a reading from their work. Um, And... For me, that was probably one of the first times that I have really connected with an author in that way um, through 
hearing what they have written. And Eli is a born performer. Oh. And the way that they can put this book into reading form and put it in my lug holes is built in. And it's so simple. It's such a simple thing to do. Read aloud. Like, oh, we could all read aloud. But only the great storytellers can read aloud. And when they finish, everyone goes, oh, no, go, keep going, read again. And this is why an audiobook of Duck Feet is going to be gold dust. Um, because it's just so well written and so authentic, like you've said, that when Eli reads that, it's authentic. It's not a put on voice. It's not a put on character. It's not anything like that. It is the way that I'd imagine they spoke, yeah. their pals spoke, we spoke, our pals spoke, our family speaks, the bird on the street speaks. Um, not like the crows and stuff. Like That was me. It was me you met. <laughs> um, They'd probably be great at that as well. To be fair. Yeah, I'll, I'll give them that. But yeah, I think when we're looking at the Scots language, this is the best book um, this year that, that we've read um, for that. So an absolutely hugely worthy winner. We're now into the final three. Three awards to go. Stay tuned for the big two coming up next. But first, as an educator, I feel that my job is to put the books into the hands of the children that will be the next members of the Scottish Book Club. That's going to be awkward. Um, and I'm really excited uh, when I come across a book that I think a class will love. Uh, we've just spoken about how Eli reading aloud was transformative for, for us when we were looking at this book. I like to read books aloud to kids and get them interested. You've spoken about your teacher reading The Hobbit. I want to be that teacher that people remember. and go, oh, I remember when they read that. Remember when he read that. It was great. So the first um, children's book of the year in our blahs um, had to be a nomination from our friend, Bethany, who was on during our children's week, our, our sort of books for the bairns or bairns for the books, whatever way you want to say it, uh, episode. And the winner of our first children's book of the year is Cardboard Cowboys by Brian Conaghan. Now, I think Natalie has the blurb for this one for us. Yep. Even though he lives in a house made of cardboard, Bruce is a massive legend. Fact. People at school can't see past Lenny's size to the person he is inside. So when lessons get too tough, Lenny goes to his bench to think. One day as he's chucking a can in the canal, he's stopped by Bruce. Bruce lives in a neat little home tucked down by the banks and he doesn't approve of kids messing up his front lawn. And an unexpected friendship an epic plan, a road trip that will change their lives. This is a story of Lenny and Bruce. Oh, and what a beautiful book, Scott. And a completely deserving winner for our children's book of the year. Um, so Bruce and Lenny are the two central characters in this. However, we do have a lot of these supporting cast around them that just add flavour to the book. 
in order for a book to work, you need to love the main protagonists. And in this book, Bruce is a legend. Fact. Um, but equally, Lenny is also a legend. And these characters are just so full, but also so, we've said it before about other books, these characters are hyper-realistic. I've got Lenny's in my teaching career. I've, I've met them. They've been through school. Um, I don't know any Bruce's, but I've, I've not really worked with the homeless much. Um, but they're intriguing characters. Um, and that's one of the big things. But equally, the level of intrigue and storytelling and things that Brian manages to put into this book is really, really good. And we've said before, we've just given a, an award for Scots language. Cardboard Cowboys isn't necessarily written in Scots. But throughout it, there are little words that are dropped in that just introduce you to some of the words that will come through. And see if you read this one aloud in a Glasgow accent, it becomes incredible. Um, I've decided for this book to read it in a sort of toned-down Billy Connolly. Um, so I, I kind of go, go through it with that. Like I'm, I'm a young boy, so I kind of believe that that's what my mom said. And this is what happened next. And I had a pain in my bahookie and a... And, and the kids really love it um, because I'm, an, I'm immersed into a character. Lenny is the character, the narrator of the story. Bruce is there all the time. We've got these brilliant characters. I think um, that this not only is it one of my children's books of the year, definitely my Scottish children's book of the year, but this will be one that I will retell and retell with classes down the line. And I want to say a big thank you to Bethany for bringing this one to my attention because I love it. Well, it's funny because this is one that I wanted to put forward for illustrations of the year. It doesn't have illustrations all the way through it, but it, it, the front cover, I think we spoke about that with Bethany, it's absolutely beautiful, man. And it's just this wee, two wee cartoon guys walking about and, you know, we're in a cardboard house. It is absolutely phenomenal. And that is the thing about these young, you know, children's books that are coming through. They have absolutely stunning illustrations. And I think the cover of this one shows just how beautiful it is. We're all about constructive feedback as well on the uh, We Scottish Book Club. And I would just like to tell Brian that when you're reading a book that is for 10 plus, please don't put the word arse in it, okay? Because today in my class, I had to read the word arse. And at that exact moment, my head teacher decided that it was a good time to just do one of those pop-in sessions so man alive i was going to skip over it i was going to say the word bum i was going to but I, I they hear it anyway scott but well, this is the thing we then had a big discussion around the word and how swearing isn't always negative that swearing can be used in in these other moments so i know that over the next few weeks i'm going to have children talking about their arse a lot but um, that is my only criticism from Cardboard Cowboys that I'm, I'm glad I managed to read it aloud to them before it went into their hands first. Now, this is Brian's first middle grade. He's normally quite a young adult, um, but this one is, is definitely a really good read. Please don't let the word arse put you off. Um, but it... How exciting is it that this is the very first time we've heard of Brian Connickin as well, and there's so many more books for us to delve into, including the one that Bethany's already told us about. I'm excited. Me too. Morning, Brian. And it is now time for the penultimate.
ultimate prize um, of this year's buzz. And that is our International Book of the Year. Now, this category is for all things not Scottish. You'll hear a little bit more about the old Scotland in the next category. For this one, we can take a book from anywhere in the world and bring it into our arms and decide that it is a champion, an award winner. And for this award, Natalie and I had to get together and have a look at the books that we have both read this year and decide which one was most deserving of the award. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that this book was published this year. However, it is one that we both read and enjoyed so much that we thought it deserved some recognition on our podcast. So this year's International Book of the Year goes to A Little Life by Hanya Yanagahara. What an amazing, life-changing book, Scott. Unbelievable. Now, I'll hit you up with a blurb of A Little Life. <clears throat> when four classmates from a small Massachusetts college moved to New York to make their way, they're broke, adrift, and buoyed only by their friendship and ambition. There is kind, handsome Willem, an aspiring actor, JB, a quick-witted, sometimes cruel, Brooklyn-born painter seeking entry to the art world. Malcolm, a frustrated architect at a prominent firm and withdrawn, brilliant, enigmatic Jude, who serves as their centre of gravity. Over the, de over the decades, their relationships deepen and darken, tinged by addiction, success and pride. Yet their greatest challenge, each comes to realise, is Jude himself. By midlife, a terrifyingly talented litigator, yet an increasingly broken man, his mind and body scarred by an unspeakable childhood and haunted by what he fears is a degree of trauma that he'll not only be able to, unable to overcome, but that will define his life forever. <clears throat> this was one of the first um, ones that we read out with the Scottish Book Club, but with the Scottish Book Club, um, where we did one of those read-alongs. And we, well, I'm going to say we, but I definitely went into it the same way I do with most books without knowing too much about it. Mm -hmm. I knew that there was a bit of a, oh, this one's got loads of trigger warnings or this one's, this one's got a lot of things that happen that could make you a bit upset and they're not bloody wrong, are they? Well, I thought that the reason people were scared to read it was because it was 600 odd pages long. That is what I thought. I don't know about you. I thought, oh, we're reading this one together because it's so long. We're going to break it down pages and pages. And then I was like, oofed. Like I've said, we actually spoke about this in a previous episode. I ended up putting it in the freezer and stuff. Um, and I had to take a wee minute from it and stuff. But it is one of the books this year that is not Scottish. Now, a lot of, we've spoken about this, a lot of Scottish books get under my skin. But this is a non-Scottish book that got totally under my skin and one that we'll never, I don't think we'll ever, ever forget. Um, it's got everything in it. It's got, you know, modern relationships that are very accepting. There's no issue on um, sexuality or gender. There's none of that. It's just everything's just accepted for what it is. There's obviously a lot of mental health issues, you know, self-harm, um, domestic abuse. There is all these things that are very, very current. But what it's got, and it kind of like mayflies, it has this beautiful, beautiful um, 
relationship between a bunch of male friends um, that has no toxic masculinity at all. And it is one of the most beautiful bunch of friendships that I have ever read in my whole life. Um, and especially, you know, it made me laugh, it made me cry, it made me angry. You know, there's points in the book, I'm like, why is this happening? This doesn't make sense. Why is all this got to happen to a, one bunch of people? But it has something for everybody as long as you are willing to try and get through it. Um, it's not for everyone. You know, we are going to sit here and we are going to talk about it as our non-Scottish book of the year because it is so impactful, it's so powerful, it's so beautiful, and it's made a lasting impact on us. And it's one of the things that, no matter we're 10 years down the line and they mention you, I'll remember reading this alongside you. You know, it's one of those things. But it's not for everyone. And I understand that and I appreciate that. Um, and that's the thing. I just, like, people go, if you go into it, like I've said before, trigger warning and stuff like that, just be careful going into it. But no, whatever you put into this book, you'll get back 110%, won't it? I think this is kind of the same as you, you've spoken about um, Eleanor Oliphant before <clears throat> and how sometimes you come out of that book and you think, oh, I wonder how Eleanor's doing. Mm -hmm. You go in and you fall in love with these four characters and by the end, you think about all four of them um in lots of different ways but you think about all four of them and some of the characters that are around oh, yeah. them um because they are as well written and as important to the story as the, the sort of main four um but it's one of those books that once you have read it you will not be able to put it out of your mind no it's can kind of interesting it's about you know, friendship and about support and friendship, but also about support of people that aren't blood related to you. It's a support of family, you know, and family comes from everywhere. And I think in these modern day times, that is one of the most important things that you could be the messages that you can be putting out there. It doesn't matter where your support network is, it just it matters that they're there. Um, so hands down, there is no other non-Scottish book of the year for us, you know, international book of the year. It's got to be A Little Life, Hanya Yanagihara. And I cannot wait to read what they've got in store for us in 2022. I'm sure it'll take us into paradise. Or, or hell. Well, for sure. Via hell. <laughs> ba -ba -ba -ba! Now, this is it. It's the final award of the ba -ba 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 Bra Book Awards. And it is our Scottish Book Club Book of the Year. Now, I have asked all the Scottish Book Club members, all 150 of them, to vote for the book that we read this year that they thought deserved this prestigious honour. Um, and I am absolutely chuffed to bits with who they picked, um, as will you be, Scott. And this is The Young Team by Graham Armstrong. Now, we've mentioned the young team before, but same as Duck Feet, I've realised that we've never actually went into any detail because I think the name at the moment in the Scottish book scene speaks for itself. But we'll read the blurb anyway, just so that you get, for people that aren't in the Scottish book club, get a wee understanding of what we are talking about. 2005, Glasgow is named Europe's mother capital. 
driven by a violent territorial gang and knife culture, and the housing schemes of nearby Lanarkshire, Scotland's former industrial heartland, we boys become postcode warriors. 2004, Azzy Williams joined the young team YTP, a brutal gang conflict with their deadly rivals, the young toy YTB begins. 2012, Azzy dreams of another life. He faces the toughest fight of all, the fight for a different future. Expect buckfast. Expect bravado. Expect street philosophy. Expect rave culture. Expect anxiety. Expect addiction. Expect a serious facial injury every six hours. Expect murder. And just hope for a way out. I've never read that blurb. Neither have I. That is fucking stunning, by the way. I have honestly never read that. That has given me, obviously, that train spotting that I've never read train spotting, but that moment in train spotting where they talk about choose life. Choose life. That's what it's given me. Um, and it is just like we said about Duck Feet, it is one of the most nostalgic and yet current reads that is to come out of 2021. And I think on top of all that, Graham Armstrong, um, our author has managed to write a book that is charged with so many things. Charged with, like we've said, this this gang culture in, in the sort of main plot line. But at the same time, it's about that hope. It's about these boys and girls that are involved in this sort of almost like just a passing of the torch. This is just what you're expected to do. You're expected to join these um, young teams around the area and you're expected to go to war with others based on your postcode, where you're from. Um, And I know that that's in Dundee. We've still got that. Uh, It'll be the exact same out your way. Um, We've still got these, these gangs that are around and this is now 10 years on from when the young team set. Um, actually longer if we're looking mm-hmm. at 2005 as the starting Maybe point um, and we've still got it it's still there it's still rife and what Graham Armstrong has managed to do is put a book that these young folk should pick up and should be able to relate to and should fucking love yeah I mean Scott <clears> we make <throat> these jokes about east coast versus west coast right um, and I know that's American gang culture songs and that but we're not supposed to be pals. We're not supposed to be met in Edinburgh in time. You're for Dundee, I'm for the West Coast and all that. We're supposed to, I'm supposed to think you're an idiot. I'm supposed to want to fight you. That's the way it was then. Do you know what I mean? Um, that's just how it was. It is such an impactful book that will make a difference to so many lives. And that is why it has to be, you know, our Scottish book of the year. There is no doubt about it. To me, it's the book, kind of like Trainspotting, that's going to have a cult following. And it's going to make a difference to young men and women and others' lives out there. Because, you know, although it's written to young men, it does, when Graham's talking about it, he's talking to everybody. He's talking to Scottish youth, this forgotten Scottish youth. He's saying to people, he goes into these schools, and that's not even the book anymore. I'm talking about Graham Armstrong himself. He has not had a day off this year. In fact, I think now on December he's maybe had one day off because I can. He's still telling me he's having days off and he's still working away, right? That's what he does, and he's always going into schools, he's going into prisons, he's going into youth hostels, he's going into all these things and talking to young people and saying, "Ha," oh, and their voice, by the way, because he does talk 
very much Scots Ned. That's the way he talks, right? He's going in and he's, as soon as he opens his mouth, they're going, oh, what's this big you got to say? And they're going, he's going, no, God, I'm no a teacher anymore. I'm no any of your teachers. Boys, you don't be sitting there being wide with me. I'm Graham Armstrong and I've got something to say. I'm going to use and this is what I've got to say and this is what you need to change and you're going to end up in the same boat that I was trying to struggle to get out of it before it's too late. He is as relatable as his book is. Yep. And I think that's that's one of the big, big selling points for where you can take this book. Um, if we're looking outside just to read it and enjoy what you've read, um, I think you're looking at a man making a difference. Yeah. To Scottish boys mainly, mm-hmm. but young Scottish folk, showing them that there's a path, showing them that it's not all gang culture and knives and drugs and alcohol and going around battering folk. It's That's not what it's about. Life can be so much more. Life mm-hmm. has choices. We've mentioned the the train spot and choose life speech. This is your next generation. This is your your West Coast take on train spotting. I think even more important than train spotting, I would say. 100%. You know, this one... there's a certain person that chose heroin. You know, heroin was quite a niche thing. What Graham's talking about isn't a niche. It's everywhere. It is everywhere. If you want to be cool, you know, heroin was never cool. If you want to be cool, you fight with the people next to you and you go with your boys with machetes and stuff and you kill. That's what it's all about. You know, we've got drugs, drink, abuse, mental health, gang violence and toxic toxic masculinity. It's just some of the things that are spoken about in this book, man. And it's spoken about in a way that gets across to these young boys that there is hope, there is a way out. This is actually, by the way, boys, if you read this book, this is who I am. This is who I was. It will never leave me, boys. But he's saying what nobody else is saying. I care, boys. Because nobody cares. Nobody gives a fuck. And Graham Armstrong's going in and saying, boys, I care. I know I'm just one guy, but I care. And look what I've done. Look who's reading my book. Look what I'm trying to do for you. And look who you can be. And he is such a role model for for younger generations. Totally. We brought up to Colin Burnett as well recently the idea of poverty porn. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of people have wrongly labeled this book. This is where I heard it. It's a poverty first porn. book that I heard it. Yep. <clears throat> and it's not that at all. It is a guy who is almost semi autobiographically telling a story of his life. Um, because now we've got Graham Armstrong, the multi time graduate, the He's he's published author. He's a writing helping write the screenplay for a TV show based on his book. He's got his other book in the pipeline. Is he back for a PhD, well, mate? <clears throat> this is ridiculous. This is and this is all from the the guy who used to drink Bucky in the park mm-hmm. at twelve years old. Take ease at uh, rave colours fest and all that, and have a good time in that, and would fight with somebody just because they said that there was something. Okay, and this is also for the guy that still loves Rangers. Still think, loves rave. He still loves Tupac Shakur. He's never left that lifestyle. The only thing he's done is cut out drinking drugs. And that is it. And actually realised that I, I love these things. And I love my mates. I still love my mates. But I need to I need to separate myself from my mates. I need to want something else for myself. I mean, you were talking about poverty porn as well there. 
like I said, this is the first book that I ever heard poverty porn being mentioned. And how can you call a book poverty porn when it's no for people that are going to get off on poverty? It's no for them. It's for the Waynes living in poverty. Not even poverty, by the way, because Graham, we've spoke to Graham and he said it's no book about poverty, mate. Me, Natalie, I grew up in this lifestyle. I'm no of an impoverished background up here, mining village and all that, that's an impoverished postcode. I'm, I was never impoverished. But, and near was Graham. He was never impoverished either, and that's always what he said. Didn't matter. It's just who he hung about with. It was just where he was fit. It was just the way it was. He was just left in the day. There was no other way out for him. No. And he didn't want out because it was cool. Do you know what else is really cool? This book. It is. And I'm so glad that it has been voted by the hundred odd members of the Scottish Book Club to be our <clears throat> first big Scottish book um, that we are going to say is our top prize winner. Our one that we've all read, we loved, and are, we're universally saying this one deserves to be top of the pile. Scottish Book Club Pick of the Year, and I would say Scottish Author Pick of the Year. Graham Armstrong, Andy's book, The Young Team, he is going to make a difference to so many lives. And I'll actually think that he'll be one of my Scottish heroes for the rest of my life. What a guy. One a young team. So that's it for our Bra Book Awards 2021. I really hope you enjoy your picks. If you haven't read them, I suggest you go out there, get to your local bookshop, independent bookshop, of course, and pick them up because they are some of the best books you ever read and that's a fact now here at the We Scottish Book Club we want to say a massive thank you for listening to us from October to now for the last three months and getting involved and engaging with our podcast because if we didn't have listeners like you guys we wouldn't be able to do what we love doing and that's promoting Scottish books and promoting books from other places in the world that we love the most but it's mostly about the Scottish books here at Scottish Book Club. And it's really lovely to hear so many of you picking them up and loving them um, and all that. So we can't wait to see what we can bring you in 2022. If there's anything you are wanting to hear, you know where to find us at the We Scottish Book Club at gmail.com. You can find Scott on Instagram at Scott U Reading. You can find me, Natalie, on Instagram at Scotties and Books. You can find me on Twitter at Scotties and Books. Um, but all I want to say now is grab a glass, raise it up, and here's to your health and our health. And hopefully 2022 brings you and your family the happiness and lots of different decent books, which is the most important thing here at the Scottish Book Club. Um, so thank you so much for listening. And here's to 2022, a big happy new year, and long may your lum reek. Scott, the bells are just about to go. Before that, I want to ask you a question. Are you dancing? Are you asking? I'm asking. Then I'm dancing. A big happy new year from the Wee Scottish Book Club. So what we call in our family a sneaky wee walk. 
Oh, do you go on sneaky wee walks all the time in your family? Mm-hmm. Bloody miners. <laughs> My noses. Uh-oh. Tickly to when Santa got stuck up a chimney. Achoo, achoo, achoo. And she's just all singing out of school. Eleanor loves that bloody tune. Ah. Uh, I'll get her to sing it for Gabs you. Absolutely. Oh, shout. Yeah. When right? Santa got stuck up the chimney, he began to shout, you girls and boys again, toys, toys, if, if you, you don't pull me out. me out. My beard is black and there's soot in my sack and my nose is tickly too. When Santa got stuck up the chimney, achoo, 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 achoo. achoo. Love it. Be all embarrassed. Ooh. Watch watch that treadmill. Oh, put it up. Put it up high, Ellie, Eli. Don't be lazy. I can't believe that they've not got the, the incline on as well. It's ridiculous, man. It's you need to sort that out. See if they're going to treadmill. Just gentle walk, innit? I want to live in America. 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 Cha, cha, cha. Scott, that's it. The bells are just about to go. I want to ask you something. Are you dancing? Oh, I'm dancing. No, I'm not. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot and old lang syne? For old lang syne, my dear, for old lang syne. We'll talk a couple games dear for all